if you have a Bible, go please to 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll start at verse 19. Si trajo su Biblia esta noche, vamos a ir a Primera de Reyes, capítulo 19, verso 19. The last uh, few weeks, the Lord, or months, the Lord has been speaking to us out of the life of the prophet Moses, and uh, this last couple of weeks we have meandered into the life of Elijah and Elisha, so I'm just following the Holy Spirit, if that's all right with you. Uh, we want to hear what God has to say to us, and uh, these men are good to study. They're uh, men of great interest uh, all throughout history, but uh, in particular, uh, the uh, ministry of Elijah and Elisha, ministry of, of God's power, and we spoke about it last Wednesday and last Sunday. Uh, I want to go in a little bit different direction tonight, but we're going to begin right there. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Primera de Reyes, capítulo 19, verso 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shephat, while he was plowing with 12 pair of oxen before him. And he with the 12, and Elisha passed over to him, and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from there, following him, and took a pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you have already ministered to our hearts tonight by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray now that you would speak by your word to every one of our hearts, that you would encourage those who are discouraged, inspire those who are about to take on great things for you, and I pray that you would heal uh, the hurting heart tonight Minister and meet every need according to your word's power. I pray for the anointing of the Spirit to teach and the anointing of the Spirit on this congregation to receive the word taught. We ask that in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. I want to deal tonight with Elisha. We talked about Elijah and how uh, his, uh, this, his experience with depression led him to desire suicide and or perhaps not suicide in that sense but to die and we realized that God uh, had more work for him to do than he had uh, wanted to do or maybe even dream, dreamed of doing and so uh, among the work that he had to do was the anointing of a prophet in his place and this man would be Elisha uh, who would uh, do a greater number of miracles than Elijah did and he would be uh, a man renowned in his day and in the generations to come because of the anointing of God that was deposited on him through the life of the prophet Elijah. Vimos la semana pasada el deseo de Elías de morir, habiendo ser amenazado por Jezabel y ahora deseando morir. Dios le dice, tú no vas a morir, tú tienes más trabajo que hacer y lo envió a ungir a un profeta en su lugar. Now I want us to look at the other side of the story. Quiero que veamos el otro lado de esta historia. And look at Elisha. 
When we see him in our text, we see him and he is working. Cuando lo vemos en nuestro pasaje, lo vemos trabajando a Eliseo. Y Eliseo es el otro lado de la historia. He's the other side of the story. So while Elijah is up on the mountain and uh, he is talking to God and he's pleading his case against Israel and God is giving him a new assignment, Elisha is busy doing the work that he has in his hands to do and he is being faithful in that work. And I just want you to think about that because everyone in the Bible that God ever used, that God ever called, he called while they were working. Todas las personas en la Biblia que usted ve que son llamados por Dios. Dios los llamó cuando estaban trabajando. You never read in the Gospels that Jesus walked up to a couch potato and said, hey, follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. No, he went up to the men who were working. He went up to people that were being diligent in their area and the place where they were. Jesús, nunca lo vemos en los evangelios decirle a una persona uh, floja que no estaba haciendo nada vente y sígueme siempre lo que él lo que él, a, a los que él llamó estaban trabajando and this is an important principle because if you want to be used by God you've got to serve where you are para ser usado por Dios tiene que servir uno donde está you have to do what you can where you are with what you have usted tiene que aprender a hacer lo que puede hacer con lo que tiene donde está. It's very easy to get caught up in saying, well, you know, if I had this, if I, if I were there, if I had this much money or that much time or these resources or that degree, and uh, we, we limit what God can do through us and in us. Limitamos a veces con decir, si yo tuviera, yo, yo hiciera. Si yo tuviera esto, entonces yo haría algo más grande. And so people think that way, and when they think that way, they limit what God can do and what they can do uh, for God. Limita ese pensamiento, limita a Dios y limita lo que uno puede hacer para Dios. You have to discover there's always something you can do for God right where you are with what you have. Siempre hay algo que usted puede hacer para Dios donde usted está con lo que usted tiene. And here's what I have discovered, that in my life, the promotions that I have received had all come as I was working for the Lord. Todas las promociones que yo he recibido en mi vida, las he recibido mientras trabajando por el Señor. In fact, a, a pastor from New York, one of the large uh, Puerto Rican churches in New York, he said to me once, he said, Isaac, if you're faithful to God, don't expect less work. Uh, una vez el pastor Kitim Silva me dijo, Isaac, si le eres fiel a Dios, no esperes menos trabajo. And that's the reality. If you are faithful to God, he's going to give you more to do. And he's going to put you in a place where you can be useful to him. So Elisha is a good study for us tonight about what to do in that time frame between uh, when God calls you and brings you in to doing something for him and the, that moment when you sense that God called you, that space and time between when I know God is calling me, God wants to use me, and then when he actually does it. Because there's often a, a gap in between those two things. Casi siempre hay una, una época de tiempo entre el momento cuando uno siente que Dios me quiere usar y el momento que Dios lo usa. And that period of time is pivotal. It's pivotal in every life and it's pivotal in the life 
of Elisha. I mentioned on Sunday that Elisha was in a holding pattern. Everybody say holding pattern. So tonight I want to talk about what to do with the holding pattern. What do you do while you're waiting? What do you do while you're on hold? Uh, how many of you like to be on hold? Uh, nobody. Uh, these days it's all automated, right? And you push 17 different numbers until you finally get to a real person on the other side of the line. And then they say, sir, let me put you on hold. Uh, but El Elisha was in a holding pattern. He was going round and round plowing this field. And we don't know, I'm guessing, and I'm quite sure that he had a sense that God had a greater purpose in his life. But the Bible didn't tell us that. It just, it just lets us know what he was doing. And because of the way that I have seen God operate and God work, he generally tells us in advance what he wants to do. That He, he starts giving us little snapshots, little pictures, uh, insight into what he wants to do in our life. So Elisha may have had that, but... Uh, he was being diligent where he was. He was doing the things that God had called him to do. And while he's in that holding pattern, uh, he has to learn to do some things that you and I need to learn to do. Here's number one. When you're in the holding pattern, stop struggling and start listening. Cuando usted está en, un, en la sala de espera, pare de pelear con Dios y comience a oír y escuchar a Dios. Say that with me. Stop struggling. And start listening. You know how easy it is for us to just struggle with God? Lord when? Lord why? Lord how? Why did you do it that way? When is this going to happen? When is this going to come? And instead of operating in faith, that struggle is out of unbelief. It's out of disbelief. And it is a, 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 a sense of anxiety about whether or not God's actually going to do what he said he would do in our life. When you're in that place, you have to say, you know what, I'm going to stop struggling. I'm going to stop striving. And I'm going to listen for what God wants to say to my life. What is God trying to say to me through this pattern? What is God trying to say to me through this situation in my life? Listen, friends. If you have gone around the same situation a few times, you start noticing a pattern, it's time to start asking questions. It's time to start saying, Lord, what do you want me to learn about this level, about this, this area in my life? Because, listen, friends, you can't, you can't get out of, you can't go to first grade until you have finished kindergarten, right? And, and every grade, every level that you finish, that you complete, you get to go to the next level. And if you and I don't learn the lessons of the place where God has us now, he won't take us to the place where we need to go next. Because if we get there without learning what we need to know here, then we won't know how to handle what he has over there. Because you see, every level has a different devil. And so if you don't learn how to pray on this level, then when you get to the next level, you won't know how to hold on to what God has given you there. And you realize how, how sad it is. It's a bitter thing to get someplace that you prayed for, that you've waited for, and then lose it because you didn't have the character or the integrity to be able to hold on to the opportunity that God gave you. So you've got to stop struggling and start listening to God. The pattern, the, the holding pattern is a place for you to stop complaining. And, and when, you, when you and I complain, it's the wrong approach. I doubt Elisha was going behind those oxen and just saying, I hate this job. 
I really hate this job. I don't know why I have this job. I'm sure that he had uh, a, a perspective that was higher and bigger than what was going on in the natural in his life. And the Bible tells us this, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Do you believe that? So if that's true, then that means you can endure the holding pattern. Say amen, somebody. You can go through those seasons of waiting, those seasons of preparation that God puts us through in order to develop our character, in order to shape our integrity, in order to bring us to the place where we can be useful to him on another level. Dios siempre nos pone por esa sala de espera para producir en nosotros mejor carácter, mejor integridad, mejor uh, servidumbre. Y cuando uh, dejamos a Dios obrar en nuestra vida, ahora somos más capaces de ser usados por Dios. Now the second thing I want you to notice about the holding pattern is that while you're being faithful to God in the place where he has put you, in the place where he has where he has established you, he's also talking to other people about you. Si usted le es fiel a Dios en ese lugar, Dios está obrando en otros en otras áreas y está quizá hablando con alguien más sobre tu vida. Now just think about that. You think, or maybe Elisha thought, nothing's going on in my life. It's the same ox, the same plow, the same dirt, and the same field. But what he didn't realize was that on the other side, God was working. That God had a plan in place. Can I just tell you, God always has a plan. Say amen, somebody. You may not know the plan. You may not see, see the plan. You may not uh, feel the plan. But God has a plan. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know the text. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So I want you just to realize that. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan, and he's working the plan. You're, you're part of the plan, and just to be faithful where he puts you. And his work is to go and prepare uh, those things that you need to be brought into your life. Elisha has no idea that Elijah, the prophet of fire, knows who he is. That this man of God is up on Mount Oreb, the same mountain where Moses was told to... Uh, to anoint Joshua as his successor and to prepare him. That same place where Moses uh, spoke with God in the burning bush, the same place is now the place where Elisha's name is being mentioned. How many of you would like to be mentioned by God on a place like that, in a setting like that? Just think about that. Somebody is talking about you, and it's not always bad, all right? Somebody out there is saying, you know what, I'm thinking I'm going to give them the promotion. I'm thinking I'm going to ask them if they want to come work for me. I, I'm going to ask them if they want to buy this house. Somebody out there is hearing from God. They may not even know it's the Lord. But, but God will put you in favor with people. Say amen, somebody. God will put you in favor with complete strangers so that his purpose and promise in your life is fulfilled. And, you know, all the time that you and I can spend trying to name drop and trying to make sure that people know who we are, in one minute, God can drop your name in somebody's heart and change the direction of your life. So be faithful where you are and let God do the talking. Say amen, somebody. Let God do the preparing. Let God do the, the arranging. Elisha was not 
out jockeying for position. He wasn't out trying to network. What he was doing was being faithful where God put him. Now, I want you to think about these things. First of all, what's God saying? Number one, God is speaking to you about you. In the holding pattern, you need to listen to God because God is telling you things about you. And sometimes those things are hard to hear. Sometimes they're hard to hear because they're so good, we just don't believe it. And we just don't think God could use us in that way. And sometimes they're hard to hear because he's telling us, he's saying, son, you got to change this. You got you to gotta, you gotta rethink the way you're approaching this situation. You got to stop handling uh, matters the way you're handling them in your marriage or in the way you're handling them in your job. And he will talk to us about us. And listen, listen, guys, the Holy Spirit is the most patient teacher that you will ever meet. Nobody said amen, but you need to say amen. Because the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And he's the most patient teacher that you will ever meet. Some of you are not very patient. Uh, I, I was one time, I, was, I, was, uh, I, I took a long road trip. I took some young men from the Bible school with me. And they were learning how to drive. And uh, so I let them drive for different legs of the, of the trip. And, and I would tell them, all right, we're going we're gonna to stop here. and this, You're going to take this turn. And this is how you're going to do it. And one of them said, he said, Pastor, when you teach me how to drive, you're so calm. He says, my mama is always screaming at me. She's like, stop the car, you know. And I could just imagine, I could hear his mama just yelling. And you just think about not everybody is good at teaching, right? Not everybody is good at just sitting there and saying, let's do this again for the 1,000th time. Let's try this again. But guess what the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is a patient teacher. And if you don't believe me, just think about all the time that he's been walking with you since the day you got saved. He got into your life and he's been teaching you. And some of those lessons we've been slow about learning. But he just keeps convicting. He keeps drawing. He keeps shaping. He keeps molding. So let God speak to you about you. Look at what happens in Mark chapter 1 verse 11. The Bible says, that Jesus heard this voice from heaven in Mark chapter 1, verse 11. And it said, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Jesus heard the father's voice. And the father said to him, you are my son and I am pleased with you. You see, when you stop complaining and stop struggling and just listen to God, his voice will build you up. His voice will increase your strength, increase your faith. It'll increase your capacity. And the voice of God in the life of Jesus was so present and so clear that Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I have heard my father say it. And I don't do anything unless I have seen my father do it. We see the dependence on Jesus to listen and obey, to hear what God is saying about him. I don't know what God is telling you about you, but if you'll listen, it'll change your life. If you'll listen, it'll reshape your entire perspective. And, and that is why sometimes it takes a little while for people who just got converted 
to have their, have their mindset changed because they've heard voices that told them they were nobody, that they were nothing, that they were never going to amount to anything. But as they start walking with God and as they start listening to the voice of the Spirit, their life begins to reflect the voice of God. It begins to reflect what God is saying to them about them. The second thing is that God speaks to others about you. Here we have another example, Luke chapter 9, verse 35. This time the voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. That's Luke chapter 9, verse 35. Look at that. First God spoke to Jesus, and then God spoke to the world about Jesus. And he said, this is my son, listen to him. Do what he tells you to do. And we see there that before God could tell the world who Jesus was, God first had to tell Jesus who he was. He had to first make, make his, himself known uh, in, in the, the, the ear of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, you have to first learn to hear what God is saying about you. And then God will make other people know who you are. He'll tell other people who you are. He'll put you in the place that you need to be and, and with the people that you need to be with. Listen, Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. God spoke to Moses about Joshua. 1 Samuel chapter 17. God spoke to Samuel about David. Acts chapter 9, verse 11. God spoke to Ananias about Saul of Tarsus. When I was five years old, God spoke to someone about me. I'll just tell you this story real quick. Now, I, I was five years old, and on a, uh, the, a weekend, my pastor announced that there was a guest evangelist coming the next Saturday to speak in our church, a little country church in Shote, and his name was David Garcia, and he was going to be preaching. And this, this preacher was about 75 years old at the time. I was five years old, so there was no reason why a five-year-old uh, should pay any attention to a 75-year-old. But I got real excited about the fact that this man was coming to preach. And that Saturday morning, I woke up early. We lived, we lived within a stone's throw of the church. So I'd go to the window, and I would look out, and I'd say, Mom, where's Brother Garcia? She'd say, He's, he'll be here later. And all day long, I was pestering about, where's Brother Garcia? He's not here yet. Is he coming today? All day long, I was worried about this. And finally, the service time arrived, and he was not there yet. The service started. He, didn't, he wasn't there yet. And I, unlike my usual where I sat with my mother as a child, I went up to front and sat right there in that seat in the front row. And I just sat there the whole time. Finally, this man showed up. This is why I, I always insist on you being on time to church. I think that event, it, it shaped me a little bit. Finally, this man shows up to church, and he, walked his, he was in so late, he walked straight up to the pulpit, they gave him the microphone. He starts to preach. He said, open your Bibles to this or that passage. And then he stopped. And he said, who, is the, who are the parents of this little boy? And my parents signaled who they were. He said, God has called this child to preach. And he's going to preach in, among the nations. He will be great among the great and small among the small. I had no idea. But that day, God was going to confirm my calling in public. And I had already been preaching uh, as a four-year-old and five-year-old to my parents, my message was, repent, you generation of vipers. <laughs> but that day, God made a public declaration of who I was 
to the people around me. And God was talking to some 75-year-old man about a 5-year-old that, uh, that nobody should have uh, paid any attention to. But when God gets ready to do something, church, he'll tell the right people about you. Say amen, somebody. I don't know what it is you need right now, but you need some people to open some doors for you. God will take care of that. Say amen, somebody. God will give you the grace and the favor that you need. You be faithful in the holding pattern. I'll give you one more example. I don't want to make this too much about, about myself, but this one's about us because some, uh, some of you realize this, some of you know this, but I'm at Kingsway Church for one reason. Some of you asked God to bring me here. And I did not ask God to bring me here, but some of you did ask God to bring me here. And, and that's why I came to Kingsway Church, because some of you were praying, Lord, send us Brother Isaac. And there I was in Chile, minding my own business, doing what I had been called by God to do. And on the way home, I just said, Lord, I'm ready to take a break. I want to go minister to my own people. And when I got back to the United States, God had a new assignment for me, and it was this church. Because, you see, God was talking to somebody else about me. I'm just telling you that if you will be faithful to God, he will bring you into the place that you need to be. And he'll do it in a way that is glorifying to him. Because, listen, if you position yourself, you'll find that when you position yourself, there's no power for the position. You, you can have a title. But if you haven't been given that title by God, there's no fuel in the tank. There's no power behind it. But when God positions you, when God moves you into place, God provides the power. God provides the fuel. God provides the anointing. Say amen, somebody. God does the work. Listen, when God is silent, he's not still. He is working. You have to learn to trust him, to work uh, while you wait, to worship while you wait, to listen, while you wait, because God is up to something. Galatians 6, 9 says this. It may be very important for you tonight. Don't be weary in well-doing. In due season, you will reap if you faint not. How many of you believe in the law of sowing and reaping? Amen. Listen, it's a law of nature. If you plant a seed, you give it time, it's going to grow. The Bible calls it seed Time harvest. This is God's promise. If you don't give up, you're not weary and well-doing. In due season, you will reap if you faint not. If you don't give up. If you don't throw in the towel. So can I just encourage you tonight? Don't give up. Tell your neighbor, don't give up. You keep sowing. Keep, keep waiting. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep asking. God says, don't get tired of well-doing. You say, I am so tired of telling uh, this, this person about Christ. I'm so tired of telling my young rebellious son about Christ. They just ignore me. They just blow me off. They just don't have anything to do with it. Listen, friend, don't be weary. Don't give up. Don't give in. There's a due season coming. I read to you Sunday what the psalm says. God has decided to show favor to Zion because this is an appointed time. And so you just keep on trusting, keep on believing, and that appointed time will come and you'll find your harvest in God's time and in God's way. Can you say amen? amen. What does the Bible say? It says that God will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love God. And to those who are called according 
to his purpose. God will work it out. Your job is to love him, to obey him, to trust him, to be diligent in the work he's given you, and he'll bring that about. Listen, God doesn't cause all things. That, the, the text doesn't say God causes all things. It says God will cause all things to work. So even the negative things that come into your life, even that flat tire that made you late to the meeting, God will use that in, in a way that's going to produce a benefit in your life. Those things that you thought were a disadvantage, uh, you'll discover that God will make them into an advantage. Listen, there's nothing you lost in the last season of your life that you needed for this season of your life. God will work out the details, and even the things you're lacking, God will turn that around and make it an asset in your life. So be faithful in the holding pattern. Be faithful to what God is doing right now where you are. Now, I want to share this also with you. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, it says this, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God has a plan, and his plan is higher than your plan. Nobody said amen. amen. God's plan is higher than your plan. You think, oh, I've got some big dreams. i got some big goals. God's got bigger ones. And, and often the way we think it should happen is small. It's limiting as to how God wants to do it in our life. The Bible says this, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter to which I sent it. For, I, for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills will bring forth uh, shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the, of the field will clap their hands. Instead of thorns, you will receive uh, the cypress. And instead of the, the nettle, you will receive the, the myrtle. And it will be a memorial to the Lord. What's God saying? When I speak something over your life, it's going to come to pass. My word is going to come to pass. The promises in God's word are going to come to pass. Our job is to wait and trust, to lean all in on God, to lean in fully on what God is, is saying in that season or in that moment of our life. Why? Because, listen to this, God's grace is greater than your sin, and God's love is greater than your brokenness, and God's peace is is greater than your storm. And God's joy is greater than your man-made happiness. And God's light is greater than your darkness. And God's power is greater than your weakness. God's plan is greater than your plan. And God's way is greater than your way. So trust God. Say amen, somebody. Trust God. Leave it to Him. Put it in His hands. Elisha, is in the holding pattern, but he is about to experience a shift in his life. He's about to experience a change, something he hadn't counted on, something he hadn't anticipated, but which God had lined up for him. And while he's working that holding pattern, while he's being faithful to God and 
and trusting God's higher way and higher plan for him. Here comes Elijah. He comes off of Mount Oreb, and it doesn't seem like he's very happy about it. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, do a great production. He just comes and throws his mantle on Elisha, and he keeps on walking. Didn't explain it. Didn't give any, any background, no context. He just, he just threw his mantle on him and kept on walking. But Elisha caught a sense of what was going on in his life. He understood, you know what, my set time has come. My appointed season has come. I've been faithful to God. I've waited on God, and now my set season has come. And Elisha does the following things. First of all, he goes and he tells Elijah he says, can I have permission to go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye? He recognized he was under new management, that now he had an authority over his life. Listen, friends, when, when you uh, sense that God is doing something new in your life, the first thing you need to do is go and say, Lord, I'm reporting for duty. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? How do you, what do you want me to say? If God opens a door of opportunity for you this week, you need to be prepared to say, Lord, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to take this opportunity? Because if we go in in our own power, our own strength, it's going to blow up. It's not going to be able to succeed. Elisha does the second thing. He goes and he takes the oxen that he was working with and the plow that he was working with, and he, he breaks up the plow, and then he burns it, makes a fire, and then he goes and he cooks the ox on that or sacrifices the ox on those, uh, those broken implements of his work. What is Elisha doing? He's saying, I'm not going back. I'm not coming back to this plow, and I'm not coming back to this ox. This is over. This is done. This season is canceled. This is a complete and total new thing that God is doing in my life. You see, what we like to do with God, we like to have our backup plan. And, and most of us, we would say, you know what, I'm going to go put the ox in the stall. I'm going to go and put the plow in the barn. And if God fails, I'll have a backup. If God doesn't come through, and so I challenge my students in the seminary when they talk about backup plans. I tell them, do you serve God or don't you? What are you talking about? God's never needed a backup plan. Come on, somebody. God knows what he's doing the first time. It's only man that thinks he has to have God's backup. He's got to have God's back. Elisha knew that. God is in control of this. I'm going to, I'm going to burn the plow. And, and, and burn the ox because my life is changed. And he made a total surrender. That's what we call consecration. When somebody says, you know what, I'm done with the past. I'm done with who I was. I'm done with that lifestyle. I'm praying more and more that God will give us more and more of those testimonies where people will say, I came and I heard the gospel at Kingsway Church, and I went home and I, I was done. I was done with drugs. I was done with alcohol. I was done with sin. I was done with that lifestyle. Come on, somebody. I was done. Not, not I decided to try Jesus to see if it worked to see if it was a good idea, a good notion. No, I'm done. I am all in. I'm sold out. I'm following Jesus. I'm going to burn the plow. I'm going to burn the ox because God has begun a new thing in my life. And God will be my backup. God will be my all. 
And then he went after Elisha. Listen, here's the third thing he did. The Bible said that he ministered to Elijah. Wait a minute. I thought God just talked to Elijah about him and made him the next prophet. But instead it says that he served Elijah. And if you read on, you see what, what he did. Uh, the Bible said that he poured water on the hands of Elijah. He was his, his servant. So here you have this man that God mentioned on Mount Sinai. This man that now should be a big shot, right? Uh, he's, he's being talked about by Yahweh. But instead of having some high office and position, he's got a pitcher of water and he's pouring it over the hands of the prophet Elisha and he becomes his servant. And for the next season of his life, he's going to serve that man of God. He's not going to preach a sermon. He's not going to teach a lesson. He's not going to hold a seminar. He's not going to have a crusade. He's not going to do anything but serve Elijah. And this is so important because it's, it's as much, it's so important that you need to consecrate fully to God. But it's just as important to say, God, I'm going to serve. I'm going to take the lower seat. I'm going to humble myself because I want to learn what you want me to learn in this season. And the church is full of people who have abilities and gifts because God made the church that way. Serve somebody with your gifts. Serve somebody. Serve God and serve people with the gifts God has given to you. Maybe we would say that would be a waste of time to go from, from plowing and, and being a, on, in a productive labor to going to being a servant. Seems like a step backward. Seems like a step down. But you see, what you, what you uh, see in Elisha is that by, by taking on that mantle of a servant, He's following the very path of Jesus. You see, Jesus taught us that in order to go up, you have to go down. That in order to be somebody, you have to become nobody. That if you want to be ahead of the class, you have to take the back seat. That's what Jesus taught us. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And Elisha teaches us that same principle. We see it again in the life of Jesus on the night prior to the crucifixion. What does he do? He gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. The eternal, immortal, pre-existing, second person of the Godhead, the son of the living God, is washing the dirty feet of sinful men. And you see this incredible premium that God puts on the servant. He says, if you'll serve, I'll raise you up. I'll put you somewhere that I can use you. And Elisha serves uh, Elijah by at least doing one thing. He pours water on his hands. Here's what I want you to think about that. Is that uh, this wasn't just that they washed their hands for eating food and so on. But in the Jewish context, you couldn't pray unless you washed your hands. So that means that every time Elijah went in to pray, Elisha poured water on his hands so that the man of God could enter into the presence of God and talk to God. That means Elisha was within hearing distance of the prayers of Elijah. He was learning to pray. He was learning to believe. He was learning to listen and to hear the voice of God as he was there near Elijah. Elisha was being mentored in spiritual things 
You see how important that is? That even the pouring of water on the hands of Elijah was some tool that God was using in his life in order to prepare him and shape him for the place that he was going to go. And that would be his place for a long time until the Bible said that the day came when God was prepared to remove Elijah. He was preparing to take Elijah out of the earth. And the other prophets, all the scholars who were part of the schools of the prophets, when they would see Elisha the servant, they would say, did you know that today your master is going to be taken from you? You're not going to have a job soon. Elijah is about to be taken out of here. And he said, I know, pardon the expression, he said, I know, but shut up. That's what he said, literally. Be quiet about it. I don't want to hear that right now. He, he, he kept being told that four times. Today your master is going to be taken from you. He said, I know. But just leave me alone about it. Don't talk about it. I don't want to think about that. Finally, they come to the River Jordan. And the Bible tells us that Elijah says to Elisha, ask me whatever you want. Wouldn't you just like for God to give you a blank check like that? Whatever you want. You know, there are very few times God does that in the Bible. And he only does it with people he can trust. He gave Solomon a blank check, and Solomon said, give me wisdom, for who can judge this great people? And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom. And because you didn't ask for silver and gold, I'm going to give you all that too. You see, God uh, is looking for a man that he can trust. Elisha said, I want a double portion of the anointing of the spirit that's on your life. I want the power of God that's on your life. I want the presence of of God in my ministry. And he said, if you will watch me go, keep your eyes on me until I am gone, you will receive that. And Elisha, the servant of Elijah, watched him as the, the Bible says God sent a chariot of fire to come down and scoop Elijah up off of the earth. An Old Testament picture of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. And Elisha was left alone. And as Elijah was carried off, he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot and the horsemen of Israel. He was saying, my, my strength, my spiritual father has been taken away. And as, as Elijah was carried off into heaven, the mantle came upon Elisha. When he picked up that mantle, friends, he was no longer Elijah's servant, but he was now God's prophet on the earth. And he, and he went to the Jordan River, which he had just seen Elijah part with the mantle. And they walked across the Jordan on the dry ground. And now he comes to the Jordan and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he puts down that mantle and the river parts for him just like it did for Elijah. Because the power of God had come upon his life. Can I tell you, church? Be faithful to God in the holding pattern. Be faithful to God where you are with what you have. Because if you are, power will follow the gifts that God has put in your life. God honors faithfulness. Listen, God honors faithfulness. He never told the men in the parable of the talents, well done, good, successful servant. What did he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Be faithful to God. 
Be faithful in the little things. God will put you over many things. Will you receive that word tonight? Let's stand together for a few moments. Father, we just come with our hearts and our whole life before your presence tonight to say wherever you lead, we will go. Whatever you say, we want to hear. I ask tonight that you would open up the spiritual ear of any person in this room who's been unable to listen because of the struggle, because of the clutter in their mind, unable to listen to the voice of the Spirit. I just pray tonight that the wind of the Spirit would come and blow away all of that garbage, all of that distraction, all of the disturbance, so that they can hear clearly what you have to say to them by the Spirit. I ask you, God, that an anointing would rest upon each one of these lives, that anointing to conquer, that anointing to finish, that anointing to do the work that you call them to do. You're not calling us to be pew warmers. You're not calling us simply to hear sermons and digest them for ourselves, but you're calling us to be men and women who bring the gospel to our world. Men and women who are bold in the reaching and winning of the lost. And I'm asking you, God, to give this church and give this congregation an anointing to go and do those very things that you have gifted them to do. I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to speak in a fresh and new way. Wherever there has been, wherever there has been a spiritual deadness, where there has been uh, anxiety about the future, where we have been unwilling to let go and leave things in your hands, I just pray that we would trust you with those things right now in Jesus' name. Now it's your turn. Just lift your hands to heaven. Just open your mouth and just speak honestly with God. Tell him, Lord, here's where I am. This is what I need tonight. If you're in the holding pattern, just tell him, God, I need your grace, your all-sufficient grace to be able to do the things that you're calling me to do in this season and at this time. Almighty God, speak. Speak to our hearts. 